just want to uh, bring a few thoughts uh, tonight before we turn to share communion together. I've called her. Well, this talk, I kind of ran out of things. There was lots of things I could have called it. God's word is incredible or God's word is great. It's to be enjoyed. It's brilliant. It's, you know, I could have gone on. But uh, there's a start. We're going to be thinking just for a few moments about the joy of God's word, about how incredible it is, how it's alive and living within us and how God uses it significantly in our lives and so that it can be a blessing to others as well. And you're going to need your Bible, so please grab one from uh, the uh, pews. And if you could uh, turn with me to Isaiah 61, Isaiah chapter 61, a passage you will know very well, I'm sure. It's on page 748 in the Bibles in the pews. Let me just read verses 1 to 3 to you. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has appointed, anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release the, from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. We know the passage well, I'm sure. We've heard it many times. But these words were given by God to Isaiah for the people of Israel. And boy, did they need to hear these words. You will know that this is an exiled people, not in their own land. A people stripped of their community identity. They felt like prisoners in a foreign land and longed for freedom, not only physically, but spiritually so they could practice their faith and emotionally, for they were people in mourning. These words came to them, and can you imagine how they were received? A promise of a time when they would have freedom again, when God would act to bring blessing rather than the mourning they were feeling, to comfort them who were brokenhearted, He sent Isaiah to proclaim these words, that they would indeed happen, that God hadn't forgotten them. What words for a broken-hearted people to hear. What a comfort, what a hope it must have been. Can you imagine it, to hear these words for the first time? Wow, the comfort was coming, what they longed for. Now I'd love you to uh, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 onwards. Again, words that you will know very, very well. Jesus was uh, in Nazareth, his home state. He'd returned to Galilee, it says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as he would, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, as it says in verse 16. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, verse 17. 
the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Recognize the words? Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We know the two links very well. Remember the original context that God had given these words to a people in a strange land, feeling strange things, broken-hearted and mourning. And then years later, Jesus from Nazareth stands in a synagogue and says these words. God knew in Isaiah's day that those words would be fulfilled to some extent, that he would provide a freedom for the prisoners, that he would return an exiled people, that he hadn't forgotten them. He would wipe the tears of the brokenhearted, restoring them. But many years later, Jesus is using these words and he ends by saying, and today these words are being fulfilled. Anyone ever wondered why Jesus was called a blasphemer? For the Jews, this would have been really hard to hear. But as Jesus' life unfolds, as we read in Luke and the rest of the Gospels, we realise that actually these words really were fulfilled through Jesus' ministry. I'm sure you can all think of a time when he preached good news to the poor, when he proclaimed freedom to prisoners, not just physical prisoners, but emotional prisoners, spiritual prisoners, prisoners to, who were caught in a sin or in um, ill health of one way or another. We can think of the many times when he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favour. These words here were also being fulfilled. Let's turn now uh, to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. hope you're keeping up. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I had to learn this as a memory verse as a child. It's always stuck with me. And uh, this is uh, uh, the disciples being spoken to you to. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. Now these words are slightly different than the ones we've just heard. They're not mirroring them, but they're talking of something very similar. You see, back in Isaiah's day, he proclaimed that the Spirit of the Lord was on him. Jesus did as well, that the Spirit of the Lord was on him. Here we read in Acts, and excitingly into verse 2 and onwards, that the Spirit of the Lord was given to all. The Holy Spirit was given to all. And we see throughout Acts and the stories of the early church, the words that were spoken in Isaiah, again given in Jesus' day, being fulfilled. I'm sure we can think of times when, uh, in, in the Acts of the Apostles when the good news was preached. 
on that first Pentecost, 3,000 came to know God. We can think of times when broken-hearted people were met and restored by meeting God's Spirit. We can think of times when both physical prisoners and spiritual prisoners were set free by the power of God's people working in God's name. But what about today? The here and now. You see, we found three examples in the Bible of those words given in Isaiah being fulfilled. The same words. But what about the here and now? Let me share a story. A soul survivor, I think it was two years ago, with the group of young people from church. There was an evening when the ministry time had begun and someone from the stage stood up and read those words from Isaiah 61. And he said, I believe God wants these words to be the words for this generation. And many people went up for prayer. And what were they responding to? It was a call specifically for people young men, young women who would be good news to the world, who would, in God's name, bring good news to the poor, who would work with the brokenhearted in the morning, who would work with prisoners, both physical prisoners and spiritual prisoners. As those young people stood and responded, yes, God, I want to be that person, again, those ancient words were being fulfilled God's word was living and alive in them. For they were responding and saying, I want the spirit of God to fall on me so that these words may be fulfilled in my generation. I think that's quite exciting. And I think that opens our eyes a little bit to see that God's word is for every generation that God's word has the power to steam through and be relevant whatever our circumstances, whatever our place in history. That God's word is alive and exciting and it can be fulfilled in many ways and in many times. Can you remember times when you're reading a Bible verse and you think, God, this was written for me. This verse was absolutely written for me. When God's Spirit somehow pinpoints it and says, these words, they're for you, not tomorrow, but today. Isn't it incredible when that happens? We sing this hymn, Lord, for that word, the word of life which fires us, speak to our hearts and sets our souls ablaze. Teaches and trains, rebukes us, and inspires us. Lord of the word, receive your people's praise. A great hymn. Words that say what I've just been saying, that God's word is the word of life that inspires us, it's being fulfilled, it's teaching us, it's training us, it's rebuking us, it's inspiring us. Tonight's reading was a bit self-indulgent and I'm really sorry for that, I'm kind of sorry for that. But uh, this verse uh, in Colossians, which was read to us by David, is brilliant. Especially the first part I just want us to uh, focus on for a moment. So you might want to flick and find Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. This, for me, is a verse where I have seen uh, amazing things happen through. God has brought it up for me over the years 
uh, in very significant ways. And I want to use it as a little bit of an example of how God's word is still alive for us today and how God uses it to encourage and inspire and motivate. I call it my life verse, a passage that God has used again and again. He's used it to inspire and motivate me. Let me give you some examples. Age 16, when I became a Christian, um, I came across this this verse um, quite soon on. And it was actually verse 10, which really kind of drew me to this this, uh, section of the Bible. And we pray this, that in order you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Bearing good fruit in every good work. You see, I'd become a Christian, and the second part, the, the supremacy of Christ, I'd been, we'd actually been, I remember, been looking through in our church services. And so I got it that God loved me so much. And I'd got it that he'd saved me from darkness into light. And it was so exciting. And I was seeking him. Okay, God, how does that make a difference in little Claire's 16-year-old life? And he led me to this passage and says said to me very clearly, Claire, it's now time to live that life, that life that brings me honour in every single way. And so when I first became a Christian, these verses rang true so clearly that it was time for me to live a life. And I had this, therefore, at my baptism because I was saying to God at that time, this is the life I want to live, one that brings you honour in every way. And then I twandle off to uh, London Bible College a few years later, and I remember my first day, I'd purposely brought a brand new coffee machine because I thought that was a good way to make friends. And I put it on, and soon the whole corridor of my halls were in my room. And we were good Bible college students, so after kind of swapping names, uh, someone said, well, let's tell each other our favourite Bible verses. The conversations degenerated after that into, shall we go to the pub and things like that. But actually, I remember sharing um, this passage. I said, oh, this one's really significant to me. I had it in my baptism. And that night, God brought it back to me again, especially the bit, again in verse 10, about growing in the knowledge of God. And he said, Claire, these three years, this is for you. You're going to grow in knowledge. You're going to grow in wisdom. You're going to know. You're going to know a lot more by the time you leave this place. Well, I sometimes say I left Bible college with more questions than I went with. But I did grow in the knowledge of God through that time. Our wedding was another time when this uh, passage uh, came very clear to us, when me and Rich were praying about what we would like our marriage to look like again. And not through me, actually, through Rich. God uh, headed him to this passage. And we asked close friends to pray this for us, that our household, our marriage, uh, would be a place where we were living the life that was worthy of the Lord You'll know uh, that my mum got sick uh, a number of years ago, about three years ago, but has been very sick this year. And uh, in the darkest moments, back in January or February, I know you were all praying. It was really tough when mum every day was being told this might be her last and we weren't sure what it was going to look like. And God brought me to verse 11 many a time, saying, I'm going to strengthen you with all power. And boy, did we need that strengthening at that point. And boy, were we able to share that with my dad, who's also a Christian, and said that God's strengthening us with all his power. Trust him. He's there. He's with us. And then I guess, uh, again, as we're approaching a new stage of life, with baby Earl on the way, 
Uh, I've already started praying this for the next generation of earls. And I'd love it if you ever are praying for me and our new family to pray this for our child. Because I'm praying that they will come to know, come to know the truth of these words. And that they too will live a life worthy of the Lord. They too will know the strength and the knowledge of God. They too will have great endurance and patience. They too will joyfully give thanks to the Father. I can't wait. I'm praying that for my child. Self-indulgence, I'm sorry, but I wanted to show how this verse throughout my life God has used. And I ask you the question is, do you have a life verse? Is there a verse in the Bible that God has brought back to you many, many times? For there's lots of things we can learn just from these ports. But the first one really is that we need to enjoy God's word. We need to enjoy it. I wonder what your favourite Bible story is. God's word is given to us to enjoy. There's stories of faith, of forgiveness. There's fun stories in the Bible. I love sharing some of the fun, silly stories with the young people because it brings it alive for them. And if you learn nothing else tonight, it would be that you can go home and enjoy the Bible. And if you don't know how to do that, Please don't go home and not see one of us. We'll happily help you enjoy it. But the second point I've got about what we can learn just in these moments is a bit longer, and it's to expect God to use his word. When God started speaking to me through this particular passage, I kind of, I guess, didn't really know what to expect of his word. And as I've grown and as I've developed, I've expected that every point God is going to use his word to speak to me. And so I'd encourage you, if you haven't got one, to seek him for a life verse or look back into your history and see which verses have been very significant. And as you do, remember the stories of how God has used his word. But also, maybe it's right for you to have a year verse as well. Brother Andrew, who uh, works for Open Doors, uh, always takes the psalm that um, correlates to his age, which is quite a lot older than mine these days. And he takes that as his psalm for the year and asks God to use it to inspire him each year. That might work for you. It's worked for me beautifully. I can't wait till I'm 150 because Psalm 150 is brilliant. But maybe that will be helpful. Or maybe at the beginning of the year you take our church text and you use that as your text for the year. But I found that having a verse that keeps you focused throughout the year, God speaks it. He uses it. You're expecting him to speak through it. And God will honour that. But as you continue to expect God to use your word, I encourage that God will strengthen you and will encourage you as you use it. We um, heard just earlier of uh, persecuted Christians around the world. And um, I remember when the Olympics were on in the summer, watching a BBC documentary about some pastors who, because of the Olympics, had been imprisoned to basically make sure that China looked its best and that there were no trouble. And one of the, uh, uh, the BBC reporters said to one of the pastors, Uh, What keeps you going while you're in this horrible prison? And he said, the word of the Lord keeps me going every day. 
And uh, the BBC journalist said, but you don't have a Bible in here with you. You're not allowed one. And he said, but I know it. I don't need a book. I know my Bible. Well, that's an inspiration to us all. He knew it and he used it to strengthen him, to encourage him every day, every moment in those dark times. For us, expect God to strengthen us through his word. Expect him to encourage you through his word. Turn to him for that comfort that we all need. As we continue to expect God use, uh, to use his word, we also need to expect that he will use it to commission us. If you uh, read Nehemiah 8, I'm wumbling through Nehemiah again at the moment, and uh, the wall's been built back up, and they're celebrating that the wall finally is built. And Ezra comes along, and in the midst of celebration, he starts reading the book of the law. And he's commissioning the city, he's commissioning the people, and he's saying, the word of the Lord will be central in this place. God uses his word to commission you. And as you seek him about what you should do that day, as you seek him about what you should do that week, or what even more you should be doing, perhaps in the church or in your life or with your family, expect God to use his word to direct you and to commission you for the task and ministry that he has called you to. Slightly less comfortable one, I guess, sometimes, is that we need to expect God's to use his word to challenge us. And I'd love to say a whole evening on this, but there are some big challenges in scripture. And when I first became a Christian, actually, to live a life worthy of the Lord was a huge challenge. Still is, but actually my lifestyle was so much far from that. There were some big changes to take. That challenged me. God's word will challenge. It'll sometimes be painful, sometimes be hard, but God will challenge us. And that's for our own good, to shape us, to be the kind of people that we're called to be. And finally, I just want to uh, remind us, really, that God's word can encourage us, but also should be used to encourage others. Can you think of times when others have given you Bible verses that have spoken into your world? I often get given Bible verses. Some are absolutely spot on. I have to admit, others needed to be tested a little bit more. But the Bible encourages us to build one another up. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as you are doing now, it says. We need to know God's word, and we need to use it to encourage others. Open Doors, for example have um, a letter-writing scheme that encourage us to use God's word to write to persecuted Christians. Maybe that's something we can all commit to doing and we can give you information about that. But in our own church community, we should be encouraging one another, building each other up in love and using God's word to do that. At the youth weekend uh, back in September, we wrote to all of the young people who came afterwards and I put a, a Bible verse in all of them as a way of encouraging the young people because they were growing so much over that weekend. It was exciting. And I just wanted them to be encouraged by God's word as we came back to not give up, to keep going, to keep letting God be building them up. We need to encourage each other. And so I'm going to ask you uh, to think this week of who you can encourage, who you can build up.
I'm just um, very quickly going to finish with Simon. He's going to just come and uh, share. So it's not just me giving you personal experiences, but of a time perhaps when God has used his word in his life as we finish, and then we'll move to communion.